If it ever gets revealed that I called paparazzi myself, please use this interview. I've got Cara, you hypocrite, you idiot. Yeah, that was that was a really, yeah, really special gig. Yeah, memory unlocked with that one. You know, I've sat across like Kendrick Lamar, Jay-Z, Ariana Grande, like whoever. I just trickling and all of a sudden my mum. Oh, wow! Now you've like, made it. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is Show on the Road, brought to you by Autotrader. We're driving famous faces on a personalised road trip, visiting the places that help shape them and hearing how the locations turn them into who they are today. We've matched each celebrity with a car chosen specifically for them. So, join me, Alex Legui, as we get this show on the road. Today, I'm in South London, not far from Brixton, meeting BBC Radio DJ and TV presenter Clara Anfo. We've matched her with a Ford Mustang Mach-E, which I'm hoping she will absolutely love, especially because it has an incredible Bang and Olufsen sound system, which should be right up her street. Let's see what she thinks. Hello. Hello. All right. Welcome. Fancy. It is the latest Ford, and it's a Mustang Mach-E. It is very fab. It is a cool car, and it has a ridiculous sound system. So that's what we thought, you know... Would be very Clara. I'm all about great sound quality all day. I can't, you know, I literally can't do anything in silence. I don't think I can. <laughs> Whether it's on the way to work, in the shower, whatever, I always need music on. So I'm glad that there is a great sound system. That's good. Yeah. And it's also like it's got this acoustic glass, so it cuts all of the sound outside out. So if you do have your music on in here, it is proper sweet. Fabulous. Happy? Yeah. Good to go? Yeah, man, let's do it. Should we go and have a mooch around the world of Clara Amfo? Let's roll. We're going to start at Brixton Market. Fab. Let's get the show on the road. Lovely. This is not obviously the car (laughs) that you started your your youth in. Mm -mm -mm. Um, But it is a Ford. It is a Ford. It was a Ford Sierra, right? And I still remember the license plate to this day, which I probably won't repeat on here, but that red car, that was just such a staple in our childhood. Like, I remember actually drawing a picture of it, like, as a kid. Because, you know, again, you don't think of, like, this is where I live. This is the car that my daddy drives, my mummy drives, whatever. And um, But, yeah, no, we we loved that car. but But my dad pretty much had it till it was, like falling to pieces because I've got a memory of like it having brown tape on it <laughs> I think around the back like the yeah the rear license I think plate. that's just a thing that you have to have on those old school cars yeah. as well you keep it until it's dying did it have the old school tape deck as well and, and think, stuff like that I think so I just for me like because that car like it definitely had like a, like old school like radio yeah tuner thingy in it because I think yeah my dad got because my dad passed away in 20 15 he was driving like loads in like you know the early 2010s like 2000s or whatever and then the new car he got like, obviously had like digital radio and stuff like that but the ford that we drove around in as kids yeah he'd like tune it like he loved listening to like classical music stations but then like local radio or like whatever was like on in the area that we'd be like driving around in but yeah no i flipping love that car man you have quite a few siblings don't yeah. you yeah i got four brothers and one sister and were you traveling quite a lot yeah oh yeah loads and loads because we were brought up in kingston but honest it's, it's a really interesting one because i have this even though i was raised there i kind of i sort of was and i wasn't mm-hmm. in a weird sort of way because pretty much every weekend we would drive to like brixton ballam 
Peckham, Tooting, basically all the south and all the southeast West London is essentially like how I was sort of raised by proxy in this car, like going to visit relatives because th those are like really heavily like populated like Ghanaian areas. Yeah, okay. And obviously my mum loves cooking like Ghanaian food. And so those are the markets that we'd go to like as kids, like Brixton Market, you know, I know like the back of my, my hand, Brixton Tooting Market, with the two main ones we go to as kids. So we drive from Kingston like every weekend to go there. So I'm gonna get like bits and bobs for like cooking family meals. And we just go and see like relatives who are like in those areas as well. So like that was a lot of my sort of formative journey time. I just, I, I honestly feel like I spent, we know they say that you spend like, what is it? Like 90% of your life like in bed or whatever. Yeah. I think I spent 90% of my childhood like in, in, the, in that fourth year. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. My parents came here in like 1970 and you know, my dad came over here to like to study and mum came over here to work as well. And you know, they just, they kind of found where their people, obviously like they assimilated and like mixed and matched and met loads of like new people or whatever. But of course, you know, you want that, you want that home from home. Yeah. Um, sort of things so, like going to those areas is like really important for us and I think it was it was really fundamental so we never forgot you know like I get yeah where our parents came from where we came from yeah I almost kind of dread to think how I would be if I, if they if we didn't do those trips and yeah, those journeys it's such formative years yeah. and formative times isn't it and I think there's something really bizarre about being in the car sort of like what we're doing now but mm. where you're not you're people end up talking about completely different things mm -hmm. don't they and I think that that's something car journeys bring out things in in families or you know in whoever's in the car arguments. you end up doing some <laughs> arguments weird games you yeah. know stuff that you don't really sit down and do in the lounge no that's true yeah I think for me it was always I used to disassociate a lot as a kid. Really? Completely. And like, you know, doing that thing of like thinking you're in a music video, especially if the weather was like rubbish. <laughs> it was like, you know, pouring down with rain and there was like drizzle. And it was like follow a particular raindrop like down the car window, just stare and like sing songs or whatever. And just, yeah, just just zone out. What sorts of music were you into at that, that sort of age? Gosh, every, everything really, because the thing is, when you're a kid, like what your parents are going to listen to, that's what it almost like it did. Mm -hmm. You're just sort of dictated to, you know. It's like you know when like you're in the car with your mum and dad. Like I think it was just always like any sort of like power ballady station, easy yeah. listening. That that's what my dad was into, and a lot of like classical music. But then we're listening to a lot of high life, which is like Ghanaian pop music, because also like the further you go in to South London, you'd pick up like local stations, like local pirate stations. So like, I don't know, one second it would be like UK Garage and then it would be like the local like Ghanaian community station and then it'd be like Classic FM and then like Smooth FM or like Kiss or Radio 1 or Such like an eclectic whatever. Mix. So I just, I kind of absorbed it all to be honest. Yeah. But I think most of those stations at that time I'm thinking about all those sort of like easy listening stations that my dad would love. I think it was all, it must have been some sort of like Celine Dion moment. I was moment. literally about yeah. to say. Or Whitney. It'd be like Celine, Whitney or Mariah. Yeah. It's one of the, the holy trinity of those, of those sort of like... Proper big classic, belters. Yeah. And it just... Or Tony Braxton, like, yeah. oh, break my yeah. heart. She was mega. Yeah, any of those, any of those sorts of tunes. I, I would just be like, you know, in my feelings, not knowing any of those feelings, but being like... Ah. Yeah, it's doing something to me and yeah, I don't yeah, know what's yeah. happening. Exactly. <laughs> you know, when you said that you would think about being in your own pop video, would you be the starring role? Would you be the singer? Yeah, I would be, 100%. Oh, my gosh. But... Can you sing? Oh, no, no, no. I like to sing, but I can't sing at all. Absolutely not. But I think... 
I think we've all got main character syndrome. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's been um, made worse by social media. It's so true. We've all got main character syndrome, baby. You just got to lean in, accept it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what was little Clara like? Were you mischievous? Were you ambitious? I was a little bit. I was a little bit mischievous. Like I think, I think everyone thinks they're a weird kid because I think kids are weird. I think I liked that about being a yeah. kid. Well, looking back now, I think I, I, I liked that about myself. I was, like, really chatty, but then I also... I quite liked my own company yeah. as well. And, like, I just... Yeah, I was a proper little... I was a little daydreamer and I was a chatterbox. Um, Liking your own company is quite useful yeah. when you're a radio DJ, I would imagine. It's quite a solitary job. Yeah. Because, you know, you I forget, like, how many millions of people I'm speaking to because essentially it's just me in the studio and yeah, yeah. I've got my production team. But even that was challenged because, you know, even like the pandemic, just in, when we were in the proper thick of it, my job was really solitary because mm-hmm. I can have my producers in my radio show in the room with me because usually they'd be like, you could have anything up to like six or seven people in the room. Yeah. But then with social distancing and, and all of that, for like the first, I think, year of the pandemic, couldn't have my producer in the room. We'd always like hug and say hello. Couldn't do none of that. Yeah. Couldn't have any guessing. Everything was done like online, and it it was a very weird, yeah, experience because yeah. I'm, I'm so used to, you know, walking into like a bustling office. Everyone's there. Walking into like the the studio and just like high five people, like whatever. Yeah, but that's why the listeners are so vital because at least you have someone to chat to. It's so true. <laughs> you know. We are close, aren't we now? Yeah, to we're in Brixton, Brixton yeah, and Brixton Market, right? Because I'm seeing the Ritzy Cinema, and I was just here the other week with one of my dear friends, Kieran. We went to um, see that movie Rye Lane, set in Peckham. Okay. And that, that actually, they they filmed a lot of it in Peckham and in Brixton. Funnily enough, I love Brixton. And so this has been a very big part of your life, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Brixton, Brixton Market. Like yeah. you said earlier about your mum coming, and or you guys going to the market and getting your foods and yep. stuff like that. I love Brixton and I think it's, well, it's just, yeah, it's just got a character to it, you know? It's like every every borough and every, like, town has got such a distinctive, like, personality and I think I think there's nowhere else like Brixton in London. No. You know, I think the beautiful thing about Brixton is, you know, it, it is the second Jenners and, like, the mm. fir- first Jenners of, like, you know, the wind, like, Windrush kids and mm-hmm. people that make it, you know, what it is. It's that thriving Afro-Caribbean, like, community that make it give it so much like flavour you yeah. know and like vibrancy and I think it's really important for you know Brixton to like to, to hold on to that because you know like as we know like gentrification is is a wild beast and of course you know you want areas like to develop and to be invested in but you don't want it to be at the detriment of the people that like you know built the community because that's the thing anywhere up and down the UK anywhere that's got any sort of like in my personal opinion any like coolness and just intrigue around it and like oh even that see look coming like you see the rich cinema happy 20th birthday street passes thank you brixton for like loving us these are the people that make a community what it is and they need to be cherished and protected what would the market have been like um the market i've got always super super busy because i think one thing about brixton like brixton market for me that is like a very sensory thing is like the smell of like fresh meat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, my mum, that, that's where it always goes, straight to the butchers, straight to the butchers around like Cold Harbour Lane, Electric Avenue, all this area. 
because my mum would just go and get like like loads of lamb, chicken, goat to make wow. like traditional like Ghanaian meals. That was our thing. But then there'd also be like people with like their sort of like pop-ups selling already like made meals. And I'm seeing that more actually because obviously, you know, that sort of like pop-up culture is definitely more prevalent like now. And now you're seeing like people do like, oh, you know, my mum taught me how to make mm -hmm. this dish. I'm from this country. And like, mm -hmm. now you can like, you know, get a little box of like, of, of food takeaway and like that. And that wasn't as prevalent when I was growing up. So that's like really cool to see. Yeah, that's definitely the thing, like driving around here. It's just, yeah, it's, it, is, it is that smell of just like, yeah, nicely cooked food, but also like, Raw food, just just feeling the busyness. Yeah, the vibrancy yeah. and feeling the busyness, like for sure. Like I don't, I don't think I've ever seen Brixton quiet. Because even when you're walking around at like two or three a.m., people are coming out from like clubs, bars, whatever. And and obviously Brixton Academy's here, which is such a formative part of my. I mean, it still is. You know, I can't even tell you how many gigs I've been to then. And, and every single artist I, I interview, you know, especially the ones who like were brought up around here, like that is, you know, their mecca of like I need to. I need to play there one what, day. Were your first, like, your very first gig memories, are they from round here? Oh, gosh, yeah, I'm just... I'm trying to think about who, who won the first acts that I saw, because I keep ticket stops from pretty much every gig that I go to. Like, oh, I, do you? No, I, nice. I've got, God, I've got, like, shoe boxes, like, full of, yeah, ticket stubs. I I, even though, like, we can get things on our phone, where possible, if I can get a physical ticket stub, I'm, like, I'm keeping it. Because, yeah. like, you know, I'm quite sentimental. But you touched on the fact that your dad passed. Yeah. That, I imagine, was obviously pretty tough and something that that I know has come up since. And I wondered how you cope with that, but having to still be the upbeat Clara Ampho for yeah. the shows. <laughs> I speak about my dad often, and I did go through a point of thinking, should I not speak about it? so much because I think I think the thing about doing any sort of like public facing job but especially in like broadcast once you say something or you put something out there mm -hmm. people are always going to want to talk about it and, and I get that and I think I don't ever want to shy away from talking about death mm. because one thing that I you know I've learned you know since my dad passed is that I think we're making progress as a, as a society in the UK but I think British people have still got a very uh conservative way of dealing with death still i don't think it's necessarily there's shame around it but i think there's just a, there's just an awkwardness like people don't really know what to do mm. you know and it's like listen we're all gonna die whether we like it or not like that is just that's just life mm. and i think when it came to my my dealing with like bereavement it was an interesting one and it's something that i'm still sort of trying to unpack now really because you know my, I remember when my dad died, I was literally back to work a week, a week or 10 days later. Wow. And the thing is, like, radio were amazing with me. They were like, the duty of care was like, was great. They said, look, you take off all the time you need. But I think I was in so much shock. Because mm. I remember I joined Radio 1 in 2015. And I remember I got the job offer. And I remember I, did, I was doing this photo shoot for a magazine that was sort of like, you know, announcing my new role and like, you know, here's Clara, she's taken over from Fern, da 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 da, da. And at that shoot, I had literally been talking to my dad that day and then I was going to France maybe a couple of days later to run the Paris Half Marathon because I found out my dad had passed away when I was in Paris and he knew about me getting the job at Radio 1 and then, yeah, then he died. 
And then I was back on air, at like, yeah, a week or two later. And there were times when I was doing the show, you know, in the months after he passed, where I'd be fine doing a link. So I'd be like, okay, up next is Little Mix. And then I'd just be sobbing uncontrollably, <laughs> you know, like under the desk or like at the mic. And then I'd have to be like, you know, suck it up and then carry on. And it, and again, looking back now, I'm like, I'm like, bloody hell, Clara, like, you should have allowed yourself, like, yeah, more time and more sort of patience with yourself. But it was such a new experience to me. You know, I'd never, I've never experienced like death like that. Like I had, I had a friend who passed away when, um, when I was a teenager, but I, I but until that point, I, I hadn't experienced like a close death like that. Yeah, it was, um, a weird experience having to kind of like switch on the old razzle dazzle when I, when I felt like I was just you know like crumbling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but I think but that is very symptomatic. I think of what British people do is it's so it's so embedded into like our way of thinking. Like you know think about the slogan keep calm and carry on. You know obviously that's like used in wartime, but I think we've we've I think we apply that to so many things. Yeah, we do. For anyone like listening to this, if you're going through bereavement my advice would be you've really just got to let yourself like feel like everything you, you, you like you really have to because I never pretended not to be sad per se mm -hmm. but I just yeah I do wish I sort of allowed myself just to sit with the pain and like just the news of it all mm. for like a little bit longer rather than just chucking myself into activity. But then at the same time, I think going back to work and having that routine kind of saved me as well. Like it's a, it's a, yeah. a double-edged sword, to be honest. And everyone's process of dealing with death is just, is so different. And the, and the thing I always tell people as well is that you don't have to get over it. I don't, I don't believe in it. Like you, should, like you learn how to deal with it. And I think that is, that is fine. That's something that I do advocate for, like learning how to deal with it. But you never have to get over it. You can't like, I just think, I think it's such a bizarre ask of somebody to get over somebody who lived a whole full rich life. You can't just click your fingers and it's like, oh yeah. Like, they were never there. They're there in everything. But that's Still, it. For most people, they're there forevermore. That's it. And it's more for the other people around you, I think, that you end up having to, like, make out that you've got over it. Yeah. Because other people can't deal with that no, level of grief. 100%. Was it like being yeah. interviewed rather than interviewing? It's nice like to kind of have a day off, <laughs> just jamming in the car, you know. But yeah, I, I like I don't mind it. Like I like talking to people. Like I'm interested in people. I mean, I'm, in, and I'm interested in the, in the choice of the questions people like have for me yeah. because I know what it's like to like try and construct an interview. And like, and obviously like there's all different types of interviews you can do. Like because you know I do obviously I do radio and like some of the interviews I get I'll get four to five minutes with like somebody, but then, you know, I might do like a film premiere and I'll get maybe 10 minutes or I might do like a long form interview with, with like an actor or, or whoever. And then I might get half an hour with them. Like it really depends. And like you adapt your skill set for like different people and like situations sometimes like you're live. So you, you only got like sometimes even a minute. To yeah. like, right. Get this person, ask them this, boom. Like you're done. And it's, and it's, and it's highly pressurized. Yeah. 
you know. And you have those moments where like, what? Why did that come out of yeah, my mouth? Yeah, 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 exactly. I had one question. Yeah, <laughs> Why exactly. did I choose that one? Exactly. Oh, my God, yeah. The amount of times I've been like, Clara, you absolute idiot. Or just, did I really say that out yeah. loud? And like, and yeah, because, it, yeah, adrenaline, yeah. Like, a mixture of like adrenaline, like natural nerves, like, you know. Exhaustion. Yeah, all of it can affect how you do your job because you know you can go in with the best of intentions like I'm going to smash this interview and then like you know sometimes it doesn't go the way you plan and sometimes that can be really really good like because I even though I like to have a structure of how I work I also enjoy knowing that a conversation like can go anywhere which I'm yeah. sure you know yeah. you, you experience all the time like doing this as well it's like yeah you have your plan but you just you never know where chats are going to go. I and mean, I think that's the sort of, that's the novelty of it I for me. completely agree. Do you yeah. think that you are, is it people that you're curious about? Oh, as definitely. well as, obviously I know, you know, we have actually haven't spoken enough about music and we will do, but is it people and what makes them? Oh, 100%. Like, I think, I think I've actually got, I've got equal love for sort of like equal curiosity about people as much as I do like, you know, any like arts and culture, it's like music, theatre, you know, film, like whatever. I'm just, I'm just interested in people yeah. and why we do the things we do, yeah. why we're into what we're into. Like, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I love, I love the word curious because essentially it's like it's like more, it's more um, chic a way of saying like nosy. That's that is so true. It's just, it's just nosy but making I'm chic. I'm really nosy. Yeah, I'm, I'm nosy as fuck. Like, <laughs> I just, no, I, I just, yeah, I am. I am. Yeah, like, that's... people are interesting, man. Like. It's just, you know, even, like, driving around now, like, you know, like, there's uh, there's a man I'm seeing there, like, with his, with his like, shopping trolley or whatever, and I'm thinking, I wonder who he is. I wonder where he grew up. Yes. Like, I wonder, like, if he's got a partner. Like, I wonder what he does for a living. Like, yeah. you know, what, what's been his day today? Like... I do love a good people watch, yeah. do you? It's just, like, so we're, like, we're fascinating creatures, you know? Like, you've touched on the fact that, obviously, you know, when you're in the car and, and your passion for music sort of started there, but where did the thirst for making it, I guess, more of a career come from? I think, I remember I went to a trip. I think it was the Science Museum or the Design Museum. It was one of those two. Yeah. And there was a radio station and they set up this whole, like, make your own demo, like, yes. thing. And I remember thinking, like, this is so fun. And you basically just got to, like, say your name, mm -hmm. like, introduce a song, and and they, they'd give you, like, the demo back on, like, a CD of, like, the branded, like, station and, like, with, and with your name on. And I remember th taking that and thinking, oh, my God. Like, this is so cool. This is it. I'm thinking like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is what I'm going to be doing. I need to be doing this, just chatting. Yeah. And like playing tunes. Yeah, this is what, okay, you can make a career. You can have a job, like doing this. Like, absolutely. Because I love, I love so many things as a little kid. Like, you know, I loved sport, but like, but let's go back to what we were saying. But like, when you're a little kid, like you've just got the most beautiful sense of ambition because like, you're just like, no, anything is possible. Like, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Did your folks, like, ever guide you? Do you know what? Not really, because, like, my dad, like, he was a microbiologist. So he was very, he was wow. very, yeah, very intelligent man. Like, you know, for him, like, in a, in a medical, like, um, research joy way, like, COVID, he would have been having a field day, like, because yeah. that, that was literally 
his vocation, like, you know, studying sort of like viruses and like tropical disease or like all of that. So we, we spent a lot of our times in hospital as a kid. Like, hang, I'd, I remember like some days I'd like go and hang out with him in his hospital and like, I'd be like by like the fridges, like full of like blood and like samples and stuff. Cause he'd just be in his lab working like sit still, don't touch anything. <laughs> Look at and like play with like his, or we'd play with his stethoscope and things like that. But um, my dad was super academic. And my mum isn't necessarily the most, like, she's not, like, an academic, but very much sort of, like, my mum's my always, my mum's, like, you know, she's been a dinner lady, been, like, she was a cleaner for, like, oh, my God, 20 years. But, yeah, like, they, they just wanted us, all of, all of my brothers and sisters, sort of, like, you know, ideally have maybe, like, a medical profession or, you know, something in law or, like, pharmacy, like, all your traditional sort of prestige jobs. Yeah. You know, when parents just, like, my my child's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Or my child's a this or, like, da 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 And, like, none of us, like, we're all creative. Like, oh, all, really? Yeah, all my... Apart from my sister. My sister works in food tech, but, like, all of us just... Yeah, like, my brother Andy, like, he does voiceovers. You've probably heard his voice on things, actually. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's on bloody everything. I can't escape him. It was actually one really awkward moment. Like, it, and I was just like, what? Like, my brother, he, he, did, he, did uh, he did a voiceover for, um, for a very well-known company that sells, like, sexy toys and, sex, and sexy things to people. No. And it, and it was, my brother was on the voiceover, and I was just like, literally, I cannot. I literally <laughs> can't deal. Go away, go away. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we, we, we all do, like, kind of creative things. The great thing about parents was that in an ideal world, yeah, we all would have done, yeah, you know, those sort of prestige, like academic, scientific or whatever jobs. But there was never a thing of like, if you do something, you know, outside of that realm, you're not welcome in my house. Or I've, it was, it was never that. And I'm really, really appreciative yeah. of that. But my dad's whole thing particularly was very much like, OK, if you're not going to do, you know, one of these sorts of professions, then you've got to make sure that whatever you do, you make sure that you're going to be, like, the flipping best or you, like, don't do it by halves, like, commit and do it, like, properly. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm -hmm. So I think that I definitely carried, like, with me. That sort of competitive spirit. Yeah, but it was, but in a, in a sense of, like, not even, like, trying to compete with anybody else, just sort of, like... Competing with yourself. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly that. And it's funny because, you know, I was, I, was, I was on KISS FM before and obviously KISS is like, you know, that's a very reputable station. But it wasn't until I, got, I joined the BBC and my dad was like, oh, OK, all right. And then, like, I think I was a guest <laughs> on, like, a Radio 4 show or something. And he was like, hmm, I see. Because it's those <laughs> sort of things, like, it's, like, for example, like, me doing Strictly, and I'm someone who's like, you know, I've sat across, like, Kendrick Lamar, Jay-Z, Ariana Grande, like, whoever... I did strictly, and then all of a sudden, my parent, my mum, and like all of her aunt, all my auntie friends, like, oh wow! Now you've like, made it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like it makes my own peer group. Like it's just, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like what people perceive yes. as like the thing. Yeah, it was strictly fun. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'll do it again. I hope it. Yeah, it was wicked. Like, don't get me wrong. It was like physically, like emotionally, like intense. Because like it's just you're like you're like in this bubble, you know? Because all because you just eat, breathe and sleep, like, dance, dance training, performance, ever. But it's just, it is honestly the most, one of my, yeah, it is the most fun thing I've ever done. <laughs> Can you still remember the dances? Oh, yeah, no, honestly, it's so, it's so funny. Like, it, the, mus the way muscle memory works is so interesting because like, I remember my first dance was a, a, to, to Dua Lipa, um, Don't Sign Out, and I still remember that, chore that like, choreography like that. It's so mad. if that comes on the radio, you're up. Oh no no, I still I still remember it. Like sometimes <laughs> I've been I have been at things. So I'm like, go on then, go on then. I'm just like, don't threaten me with a good time because I might just do it, hun. <laughs> I might just do it.
Oh, what a lovely day. This is Tower Bridge. I'm based in East London. Sometimes I walk from, from home to here. So I've got a few mates to live around, around these sides. It'll take about an hour and a half, but it's such a lovely walk. And the sky is blue. The sky is blue. Does the weather affect you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we are literally mammals energised by the sun. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, just oh, sometimes all you just need is that, that, it's that vitamin D band. Like, I'm such a summertime flight yes. baby. Like, I just, I would rather be too hot than too cold, which is why I'm living for these heated seats in this car. Yeah, agreed. Um, that is my, that's my joy. Or just like, just frolicking in, what in my is local your, park. Uh, your mood lifter music? That is a great question. What is my mood lifter music at the moment? I love Salon. I mean, do you know what? I'm obsessed. I mean, everyone knows I'm like one of Beyonce's biggest fans. And that Renaissance album, I've been rinsing it. Because that came out in July of last year. And I've, and I've played that album <laughs> every day since. And it just, and it just gets me fine. I, I love it. It's just, it's excellent. All killer, no filler. Yeah. This is a colourful area. Yeah, we're in Brick Lane now. Nice. Yes, Brick Lane. Brick Lane area. You saw a white, white, white chapel. Really, but it's all it's all connected. So there's a really uh, big, like Bengali and a Bangladeshi community around here. And like, so you can get great like South Asian food mm -hmm. around this area. But again, this is why I just you know like I I love like London because you know you kind of you just get a lesson in other people's cultures like borough to borough. Yeah. Do you feel the restrictions from your fame or? Are you still able to go into I the live, market? Do you know what? I live in all... Because my whole thing, is, I've always said this, you're only as famous as, as you act, I think. Obviously, there's nuance to everything. Yeah. But if you're, like, walking around in, in a cap and sunglasses on a day where you don't need cap and sunglasses, <laughs> yeah. if it's not sunny... You're highlighting whatever, yourself. It's very, <laughs> I, if anything, I'm like, oh, why has that person got a cap and sunglasses yeah. on? Like, are you, quote-unquote, like, somebody... But usually people are just, oh, it's Clara. You're right, how's it going? Cool. Or do we go to school together? Or like, why do I know you? Yeah. Or like, da da da. But it's never, it's never a thing of like, oh my God, I'm getting chased down the street. But I think, yeah, again, you're only as famous as you act. I think if you caught it and, then, and, and you do the most to like fan the flames, I think that's when you get into a tricky situation. Like, I, would, I would sooner die than bloody call the paparazzi on myself. Because please believe it, baby. Sorry to, uh, like, I always like, I, I believe it's really important to tell the truth. And listen, I hate to break it to anyone who's listening, but you'd be surprised. And you, like, you may or may have to cut this bit out, but I don't care, I don't care, I'll tell you the truth. But the, <laughs> the amount of people who call the paparazzi on themselves, my God. Yeah. You would be, be shot. And people are like, oh my God, I wish the paparazzi leave me alone. Your publicist called them and told them that you were going to be outside this cafe with whoever. And they act like you didn't know. Like, so true. Oh my God, what are you doing? You knew they were going to be here. Like, you can't do that and then be like, oh my God, the fame. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if it ever gets revealed that I called paparazzi myself, please use this interview. I'm like, Clara, you hypocrite, you idiot. You like, heard it here. Like, it's and I'll say that with my chest. I will never do that as long as I live. I'll say this. Adele is probably one of the most famous women on the planet. When that woman is not releasing music, do you ever see it? No. Do you ever see or hear a peep from her? No. Exactly. It's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. You know? But then there are some people who are relentlessly pursued and they and they don't have a choice. Again, there is nuance to everything, but it can be, it, 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 there is a way to control it. So I just think, don't, you know, like, you, you, yeah, you just, you don't have to lean in, you know? So we're just have by a peaceful life. Yes. the Genesis cinema. Yay. 
this is where you come. Yeah, it's one of my favourite cinemas. Like I love, I love a cinema that's just got character to it. And if there's one thing I, a cinema trope I adore is old school. Yeah, it looks old school. Uh, cinema lettering for like the for the, the signage yeah to let you know like what's on like just how like um, you know the ritzy in brixton has got that that mm-hmm. style i love that about genesis and they're really good at doing sort of like good like one-off nights and like themed months and things which i think is really cool but like don't get me wrong i enjoy like your sort of big chain cinemas and i like i, I i'm not adverse to a reclining chair yeah. and being able to like you know eat and drink like a cute meal in a cinema but there is something about you know, just those really preserved Is it as spaces. old school inside as well yeah. as it looks outside? Like, yeah, and obviously they've That's adapted nice. and stuff, but it's, I, I just think, yeah, just that, that lived-in energy. I don't know, like, I, I like imagining, like, who was there, like, 50 years ago. One of my favourite things is going to the cinema, like, by myself. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I've had to, because, fun enough, I'm planning to go and see the latest Scream movie on my ones because none of my friends will go with me to see it. I really, really enjoy them now. Yeah. I like my mates will come to cinema with me to see like a, a rom-com or just a com or an action movie or whatever. But I was like, are you, what happened to all of you? Like, come on, like, get some, is everyone like, but yeah, everyone's a scaredy cat. But yeah, funny enough, like when I wanted to go see Magic Mike, all the girlies wanted to come. I went to go, I went to see uh, Magic Mike's uh, last dance at the cinema with a few mates. Actually, with no, just with one mate. And that was hilarious. And we, we laughed and sighed the whole way through. Do you, do, you, do you have a lot of fond memories of going to the cinema and or watching films when you were younger as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's the thing. My, my mum always used to fall asleep in cinema. Yeah, no, I love I loved going to cinema as a kid. Um, loved trying to get into films that I wasn't old enough to watch. I remember I went to try and see... I can't remember what film it was, but it was, it was a film... I think I was 14, it was 15. My mum had um, that perfume, it was called Poison. Oh, yes. My dad, my dad had bought it for her as a gift and then she'd held onto the bottle for, like, 20 years or whatever. And, like, I doubted something because I was like, yeah, this is what teenagers do. They wear fancy perfume and wear, like, button-up shirts or whatever. And, like, I remember me and my friend, I think it was... Oh, what's it? I can't remember who it was. But I think me and a couple of school friends, like, we, we, we were like, yeah, we're old enough. And they were just like, no, you're not going home. I was like, OK, my... But yeah, but again, those are like formative things. Like I just, because it's just about independence, isn't it? And I think yeah. there's something about like going to cinema like without your yes, parents. That's so which true. It makes you feel like a mm-hmm. a proper grown up, or like going to like the local like going swimming. Mm-hmm. All those, all like getting a train by yourself for the first time. Mm-hmm. They're like they're rites of passage, aren't they? Yeah, they are you really know? important. Yeah, proper. So we're being taken through. Shoreditch. Yeah. Do you know this sort of area? I know so this much? area extremely well. Okay. Uh, like the back of my hand. This area, I cycle through a lot, pass through a lot. Got a lot of good gig memories here, and uh, yeah, just like just nights out really, and like yeah, late night food stops. Cause like yeah, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many kebab shops here that I've definitely gotten like a falafel wrap from and like chips. Is that a go-to in the at the end of the, of the night? night? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Like, chomping down chips at, like, 3am. Yeah. Your journey to starting at KISS was quite unorthodox, wasn't mm. it? Well, yeah, because, you know, I'd always, I always had an interest in, like, broadcast. But for a little bit, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to work behind the scenes. I don't need to put myself out there. And looking back now, that was just, it was just a fear thing. 
Yeah. Because again, it wasn't going back to the thing about like uh, that that almost reverse imposter syndrome. It wasn't it wasn't a thing of like me not thinking I wasn't capable. I think I was just afraid to put myself out there. Yeah. Even though I knew I was capable, I was a bit like, oh no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I just didn't. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm cool. I'll just I'll just help out the marketing like intern. So I was helping out doing everything. So you know, I'd go to like Ministry of Sound like nightclub and like scrape off like the Kiss branded stickers that we'd put up there the night before for like the <laughs> club nights. You know, give up merchandise. I'd stand outside like you know the big top shop R.I.P. on Oxford, Oxford <laughs> Street, like trying to stop people to get Vox Pops to use for like the station, yeah, like in-house like, adverts, all those types of things. But I always knew that, oh, but I'd love to like be able to like, you know, do the radio bit. And I was always like, you know, having these sort of like sparring matches with my old boss. Like, why don't you play this song? This, that song's like so out now. I'm like, why are you doing that to this? And like, you should be doing this and da 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 And so eventually like one Christmas, he was like, for God's sake. And then he was just like, this person's like gone away and this person's got a cold, so do you want to cover this show on Christmas Eve? And I was like, oh, wow. my God. I was like, yes. Sprinted to the um, to the studio as soon as I got the chance to, to be honest. So Christmas came around and I covered I covered some shows um, and they were pre-recorded, but um, the first one went live. It was like Saturday morning, like a 4 a.m. Hmm. till 6 a.m. start. And I was so buzzing on adrenaline. I remember I set my alarm probably for like like 2 or even once, I think I was so paranoid I was gonna like sleep through my alarm. And then yeah, got to um got to the studio and then uh, my old boss Simon, who'd really sort of like mentored me, like produced a show. And I remember thinking, like, yeah man, this is absolutely what I'm supposed to be doing. I love doing this. Were you nervous? Oh yeah, I shit myself. I was so nervous, so nervous. But I enjoyed it so much. Mm that I just wanted to come back and do it and just yeah. learn to be better. Yeah. And and it was such a it was such a great yeah, it was just such a great feeling. And were you then like, that's it. Yeah. That is I'm in. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, no, I, I just remember thinking like cause because bearing in mind at that same time, I was still working in the office like Monday to Friday because I had been promoted from sort of like work experience intern to be like they gave you this job lesson they made up a job for me and it was like called station coordinator but doing that it, honestly it was invaluable because it just it really gave me a, a work ethic which I really cherish because when you understand like how the sausage is made and you see all the working parts of a radio station or any sort of like any of any workspace but particularly like radio tv when you really when you see it like that you just it 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 almost gives gives you an armor from sort of like being a brat because you just know the moving parts. Yeah. We're in Camden right now, and the houses are beautiful around here. They really are. So 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 lovely. Do you think that London is a pioneer for music and new music? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Like. I don't think it's the centre of the universe for it, but like it's absolutely 100% a leader. So much. We're in Camden, you know, which is I think when I think of Camden, I think of Amy Winehouse. Like there's there's a whole yeah. statue of her here, yeah. here, you know. But like, there are so many iconic like leaders who have come out of like London for music. But yeah, like 
zoning on an Amy, that's somebody that truly made it accessible. Like, you know, like hip hop influence, R&B influence, like just so cool and so unique and truly like a one of one artist. And that's like, you know, a proud like North London girl. Like I saw her at Coco actually, where we're going to. Yeah, yeah I remember, because I, I remember being in the queue and seeing her walk by with her security and her being, I remember her being like, wow! Because she couldn't believe all these people had come to see her. And that was a really, really fun gig. And you know, you look back on moments like that and you just realise how like privileged you were to see somebody, you know, of that ilk, just, just, just being them, you know? Ultimately, who she was is just like a really like great artist, and you could tell she had a lot of pride like performing at somewhere like Coco because that's somewhere where they, she would have no doubt been going to as well. But yeah, that was that was a really yeah really special gig. Yeah, memory unlocked with that one. So we're outside Coco now. We are outside Coco, and yeah, this is I I just literally remember like just being in a queue, and it curling round to get into that print show and then but then there's been times I've just been able to like walk straight in because I've been at a gig early or whatever but yeah it's just it's such a fab venue and you know they they had their like they had that fire a little while ago oh yes of course um, so obviously so I feel like it's been like renovated now but yeah it's just it's just iconic you know so we're on our way now to Broadcasting House yeah yes we are the world of Radio 1 that's it Portland Place what was the feeling when, when you knew you were making that step up to, or step over, I guess? Bit of fear. Point? Fear, excitement, overwhel overwhelmedness. Because I, I remember when I, I first like demoing for Radio 1 when I was sitting at Kiss and they're like around the corner from each other. And obviously it was top secret, so I would sneak. I'd finish my work day or during a lunch break, I would sneak around the corner to like broadcasting house and like try and go in the Radio 1 and one extra building like incognito, hoping no one would see me, be like uh, quietly ushered in by like a producer, do my demos and like run back to work. And I remember I, I did that on and off for 18 months on the slide. Oh really? Yeah, I, I did, I think I did about, oh my God, eight or nine demos. And then they finally offered me a contract for weekend breakfast at one extra. But yeah, I like. But I remember walk like when you walk into like, the main concourse, there's that giant like BBC sign. You can't miss those like three huge letters. Yeah. And seeing that for the first time, it's a lot. Because even now, like every day, when I'm going into work or leaving work, there's always tourists out there like getting like with their selfie sticks, like getting that that BBC um, picture. So do you still appreciate that feeling? Yeah, I do, because, and it's, it's you know, because, like, they, they're always decorating it, like, with, you know, all the people that work there. Because, you know, when you walk into the building, there's, like, a giant picture of, like, Claudia and Tess from, like, Strictly. And there's a giant, like, there's a TARDIS in there from, like, Doctor Who and, like, giant Pudsey Bear for children in need. And, like, and now they've, there's, because um, the broadcasting house is eight floors. So they've got, on each floor, they've got, blowing up pictures of like different staffs like there's a big picture of like David Attenborough and like Harry Styles from when he did like Big Weekend for Radio 1 and there's a big picture of me there which I didn't know they were putting up there so I think I'm in between Harry Styles <laughs> and David Attenborough which is great company I must That's say. That's an interesting sandwich. But, I mean but uh, yeah, I remember I didn't know they were doing it and then like one day I kept getting tagged in pictures on people's Instagram so it's like Grimmy had tagged me in something Greg 
all my co-workers basically like, what the hell, look at you. And I was like, what? Because they didn't know they were doing it. And there's like my big old mug. But if you ever come to visit Broadcasting House and like, whether you're a BBC employee listening right now or you're coming in for a tour, yeah, I'm, I'm there on the seventh floor <laughs> in, in full Technicolor. How do you prepare for the live show? I, I do prepare, but I also like to shoot from the hip. I, always like to have, I, I have a basic knowledge of people, and then obviously we've got our research notes and stuff. But for me, my favourite interviews are about the human side of somebody, because ultimately that, tells, that actually tells you more about the music, if it's a music artist anyway. You know, you can find out about the album why they made it, how they made it, sometimes by finding out about how, what's been going on in their life, like six months prior. But I love my producers because they are always mega, you know, prepared with like a glossary of like bits and bobs. But for me, that's my, and I I always do my research as well, but that's my preferred way of uh, working for sure, for sure. Well, we're here. Here it is. Pulling up to the old beep. Yeah. Oh, there's Shane, who is a very well-known radio plugger dude and looks after all of your faves. Hello. Was just talking about you, saying long time no bloody see. Oh, lovely to see you. How are you? You've been missed. You all right? Oh, fabulous. Well, might, maybe I'll bump into you in a bit. Well, nice to see you. Bye, my love. Yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah, like that's the thing, pandemic-wise, you see all the pluggers like, all the time. Yeah. They bring, they bring artists in, but then the pandemic just changed the game. And, like, we did so many things. Like, remember I did a Miley Cyrus interview. We had to do it, record it 10pm our time. So we were on her time in LA um, to get the show done. Because, yeah, just yeah, artists, it's just, yeah. Corona changed the game, man. Wow. We did, Benno. We are home. We are here. Well, it's been really fun. How has it been taking a a, a nice stroll around your? It's been really lovely. And I want to thank you for your very insightful and wonderful questions. Speaking <laughs> you know, because people ask me a lot of the same thing a lot of the time. Yes. And but you know what? Sometimes you can ask the same thing, but it's about how you ask it. And I and I really appreciate. I appreciate your your choice of words, darling. I well, I truly do. It's been a real privilege to have you, and uh, I hope you liked our match. No, I did. I did. Listen, living for the heat seats, <laughs> living for the chat, living for yeah the general like comfort and, and the snacks. Thanks for the snacks. Thanks for the snacks. <laughs> no, a well, good time. I hope you have a good show. Do people call you Al? Yeah. Okay. I was like, I was going to call you Al earlier, but I was like, is that over familiar? Say <laughs> so thanks, Al. Do we? How do people call you? People call me. People have you got a nickname? Clars sometimes, but it is mostly Clara or C. So yeah, C Clars or Clars or Ampho. Clars. People do love to surname me a lot. Yeah, I get a surname a lot. You know. Well, Ampho, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much to Clara Amfo for taking me on a personalised tour around her favourite haunts in London. You can see exclusive footage of the drive by heading to the Autotrader socials. Look at the episode page for links. You'll also be able to see the Mustang Mach-E that Clara thought was very cool. Plus, if you didn't know already, we're giving away a brand new electric car for free every single month as part of the Autotrader electric car giveaway. 
We've previously given away two Mustang Mach-E's, just like this one, plus many others. So if you'd like to be in for a chance of winning, head to autotrader.co.uk forward slash cars forward slash electric forward slash giveaway and find out what we're giving away this month. And if you're looking for a new vehicle, you can find your perfect match at autotrader.co.uk. This is a new show and I'd love you to follow on your favorite podcast platform. Like what you hear? Rate and review and make sure you tell your friends so you don't miss an episode. Show on the Road is a fresh air production for Auto Trader.